Hi, Adrian. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. I've been looking forward to seeing you again. Yeah, me too. I love her talks. <laughs> Thanks for doing all that audio. It's so awesome. That worked well, didn't it? My article. Yeah. Yeah, it does work really work well. Yeah, it's um you're welcome for that. It's nice to do that for you because you write well, so it's easy to read. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I I'm I've been I've been liking the article writing lately and <laughs> but I should be doing courses. <laughs> I should be writing courses, but then I just keep getting pulled into other topics and I just get into it and and when you're an artist, I mean, I feel like an artist, really healing arts, whatever. And you get, when I do my art, I'm so focused on it. And I, I can't almost obsessively, like I don't, I'm in, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to do anything else, but that thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm really enjoying that because can just be grueling work sometimes all this. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's, I'm the same way. I get very obsessed about things, but that's, that's a function I think of how we can do things. So. Yeah, it's basically just a part of the way your brain is focusing and getting stuff done. I'm writing another article right now, and basically it's just listing all the ploys that, you know, they're doing, like how they're manipulating us and have been manipulating us for a long time. One, one sec. I should probably press record, shouldn't I? Because we'll talk and I'll forget. Oh, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how it happens. Yeah, I, I've done this before and gone, oh God, I didn't press record. <laughs> Yeah, I've had three interviews like that where yeah. it was forgotten. <laughs> I meant to say as well, on this Zoom thing, every 40 minutes it's going to cut out, so we'll just we'll start again. Oh, okay, no problem. So let me see now, record. You were saying about another article you're writing. Yeah, it, and it always comes really spontaneously, and that's how I know I'm supposed to do it. Uh, there are so many topics to touch upon, and I'm very... I don't want to waste people's time. And then when it comes through, whatever I want to write about, um, I will really beef it up so that's lots in there chunked in. So this is now lists of their what they're doing, you know, uh, from the economic disaster they're creating to food shortages to HARP. And so I'll list it with links. They can educate themselves on these tactics. And then underneath what we need to do to build our alternate society outside of that system, uh, hopefully to motivate people, <laughs> not to just sit back and think everything's fine and dandy and that the, it'll all sort itself out <laughs> because th those days are gone. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, um, when you've done that, if you want, I'll turn that into an audio for you as well. Yeah, and it was interesting because the initial beginning of my writing, I thought, oh, this would make a good TikTok or short video where I can hit the points. And even if I didn't read the whole thing in my thinking was just as a lead or well, go read more and learn about these various topics. Yeah. No, I, I, I find that. that yeah. A lot it would be a audio. good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So really good. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to spring. I'm already, I already have spring thoughts. <laughs> like what am I planting and now I need to get new planting boxes for outside because I'm moving my garden this year to a whole other area that gets more sun yeah and what am I gonna when am I gonna start seeds and blah 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 I'm already there I'm doing the same thing getting everything ready I've been doing a lot with um 
fermented stuff. So a lot of kefir, fermented um, or kefir water. And I want to do a load of fermented stuff for the beds as well. You know, the JDM stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've also um, been learning different herbal extracts that you can add into water, just even tea, for example. Um, and you can add nitrogen into the soil using like just different types of tea and how to beat the soil because the soil here is definitely damaged. I, I could tell. And even the soil I bought to fill wasn't right. That I don't think they're selling the good stuff anymore. <laughs> we have to learn how to. Our responsibility as gardeners is to is to make the better soil. That's all we need to do. The plants will do their thing. So if our job is to be a soil custodian, that's how I view it now, that that everything yeah, we can do to do that is a thing. Everything, including electroculture. I've yes. been dabbling in, in this. And this is the year I'm going to do it and see how my yields go. I'm just going to use copper and coil it around a stick and shove it in the ground and have an aerial, see what happens. No, it's from the reading I've done on that. Yeah, that's one of the things that's down on my list to do this year as well. Yeah, it should be exciting. I mean, if I get, there's a meme that I got the other day and it was, it said, uh, be as happy as this man is with his onion. And he had this ginormous onion that he grew and he was so <laughs> proud of it. Like it was his baby. And he was just, oh, like this and kissing it and stuff. Yeah, uh, that <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah, I think this year there'll be a lot more to do outside, I think, this year. A lot more for me. I, I agree, yeah. There's lots lots to plan. It's the it's the harvest that makes me nervous. The the putting down of food, the the, the I'm not really very confident with canning. I, I think I'm gonna have to move into a pressure canning system. I've been water bathing and I don't feel comfortable. I'm afraid that I'm gonna get sick if I eat my food and I have to get over this somehow. And I think if I up my canning game to real perfection, I'll feel, I'll calm down and it'll, because I'm still new to canning. I've only done it for the past five years or so. Okay. And I think that's new to canning because it, it, it takes all of these layers of time to really understand something fundamentally. And I'm almost there with the canning, but I prefer dehydration and fermenting, like you mentioned, a lot more. And and I also bought a sealer, a heat sealer, uh, to, to pack all my stuff, put it in my deep freeze. That's a I have good a lot idea, of freezer yeah. space I can use as well. Yeah, yeah. De dehydration was when we started last year, and that's awesome. It's so nice. It is really nice, and it's up to my all my medicine as well, like my putting away uh, faster because I would have it all laying out and drying naturally, but now I can speed it up in my dehydrator and put it away so it's not laying out in the house everywhere in the living room and <laughs> well it's a working house isn't it it is it's definitely not a show house you know for a design magazine tell you that much <laughs> good <laughs> yeah they're not real anyway that's not reality that's some hocus pocus they're just playing in people's heads yeah it's pretty it's like a moment of art and then life happens there and it doesn't Art is moving in real time. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. One, one of the questions I really wanted to to ask you about was um, structured water, H3O, that I've heard you talk about. And I wonder if you could dive into that with me or for me. Yes, it's been something I'm really interested in. I have been. A long time ago, I met Dr. Mazuru Amoto, 
And that was my first real eye opener that water has special qualities. It's a lot different. It's a real true pure element. And we really don't even understand it. I was, I knew that water was special when it came to studying homeopathy. I, I was trying to understand this imprinting of energy onto water yeah. phenomenon in school. And I met him at, I think in my third year of naturopathic college. Wow. And I was very spiritually inclined. I was practicing different disciplines back then. And I was really looking to just understand things from a scientific perspective, because a lot of my colleagues weren't even that in tune <laughs> with frequency healing, vibrational medicine, this sort of thing. And I very much was into that, that I've mentioned before, my my very beginnings, mm. my interest was in color therapy and toning and vibrational therapy. And then obviously getting into to the, the deep dive into herbal medicine and acupuncture and hands-on healing and these sorts of things. And I was, I needed to know what is this place? Always I was curious. And I knew there was something else in the, the air, like it couldn't just be wind. <laughs> there had to be electricity in the air. And I knew we had energy fields and we could interact with people without language if we were tuned enough in our transistor system in our brain, we could act as antennae and bring in information without language. These were all the, the areas I was interested in all the way through. I would always read different books, so forth, what I, in my research and my trying to get to greater understanding. But now, I mean, now it seems like everything's opening up. The knowledge is flowing. And that's when I started to look at other people who were doing this type of freezing technology where you would apply a frequency to water and then slow freeze it and see what pictures emerged, similar to Emoto's technique, because I knew there had to be other people who were doing this. This had to this research must have continued somewhere. That's when I found Veda Austin's work on water that uh, led me to Gerald Pollock and his um, identification of the fourth phase of water, easy water, and that the and the science behind water having this bendy quality in its hydrogen bonds, which makes it very very special. It I almost see it like a bird <laughs> that can angle its wings any which way, depending on how it needs to move. Hmm. And I I also understood that from the relationship between water and dimethyl sulfoxide when I was writing my book, because the relationship there is very special. They help one another to travel. And the traveling part is that flexibility and bendability of the hydrogen bonds, helping to encapsulate other molecules and mobilize them as being a perfect solvent. Water is a really great solvent for obviously oil, non-oil based molecules. And then I was, I read, I got Gerald Pollock's few of his books and Ling, Dr. Ling as well, talks a lot about structure, water and vibration. And I've been reading. Then I learned about in our own bodies, the cells are not really what they have been sold us as. Get away. In our biology <laughs> classes. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you start to break down the lies, and you uh, really go into the methodology of the scientific papers that are claiming that particles are causing certain disease or 
uh, that things are infectious, you start to break that down and realize this is all being studied as external artifacts extracted from life, from the body. And when you remove something from its endemic system, you will change it by nature of bringing it into air and adding other chemicals and, and manipulating it. And what we think we see when we study the cell might not be what is in the body at the time of life. And that includes a lot of the way the cell breaks down and shows us its characteristics in the in the lab. But we haven't done due diligence in proper control studies to identify how it's actually functioning in the living body. And my excitation about water was that it really helps us with new biology, with the biology of how we really do function, how elegant the system is, and how important water is to all of these systems, and how um, magnificent in its quantity as well. And also the relationship between the insides of you and the outside of you with the water vapor in the air. And when I studied Veda Austin's work, she was getting really interesting results of influence upon water that were even secondary to, say, someone's intention. For example, if you had water sitting on a table, that um, w- that water could relate to the water condensation on the window, for example. And there, so the waters are also communicating with other waters, which gives you this hint there might be a deeper consciousness there. And she went with that and started to find sub-communication in the freezing layers of her ice water and started to characterize what she saw and called them hydroglyphs. And this is their language, the language of water. And she could map it very specifically as to a deeper communication. Say you had uh, an image of a pencil and that was imprinted to the water shown to the water, then the freezing would show a picture of a pencil. There would be something else. There would be another communication she started to notice, which I find extremely fascinating. What if all of our elementals, fire, air, which ether, water, the the soil itself, what if all these materials are actually conscious and at what level and and where does this... You know, it's interesting just there. I've got completely covered in goosebumps when you said that. Well... Usually, if you've trained your body to do that when you feel or hear something that is correct, that's a good feedback. I, I have that too with different systems because it, it it it's it it seems as if there's so much hidden in this place, maybe for our experiences to be actually shrouded and hidden. And now we're allowed at this point in time to see beyond, to remember who we are to open up other aspects of our knowledge, to realize how elegant our system is, how this place is, how it works, where we are, who we are. These are questions coming in the the new science, the new paradigm shift, really, which we're in, and I've spoken of before. And then with the the structuring of water to operate properly, and, and then that implication upon disease is fascinating to me. If your waters of your body are not able to communicate properly, are not able to be flexible, then disease states will occur. And how then to fix that is to structure the water, is to allow for the hydrogen bonding to create the H3O2. People know water as H2O. 
when they hold hands through their hydrogen bonding, they form a whole nother phase. And that's called the fourth phase. And it's more akin to a, a, a mesh or a gel that is flexible. It has qualities of a fluid and of uh, a semi-solid, which gives it way more function. Structure relates to function. And that when you created this beautiful, just think of a, hex, a bunch of hexagrams all formed together in this pattern, like a, a, a wall going like this. And that then allows for the ions, which will, and also minerals and other uh, nutrients to go in between those spaces and, and travel through that water network, that mesh network. There you get instantaneous action. You know, when you can put, I put DMSO on my toe, I can taste it in my mouth. I was wondering how on earth how is that happening? I mean, I know the nervous system is quick, obviously. But if you just think of it from electricity and impulse traveling up a nerve, that's still time. And that should still be measurable. And it doesn't make sense because it's way faster than this could be. That's when the water factor really started to click for me. And then there's a, something called bulk water, which is H2O, that is next to the structured water. And that will hold a lot of the solutes and materials and things things dissolvable in the water, more loose form. And those two zones are important for all of the communication and waste removal and also communication through the membrane, which I also don't think has been characterized correctly. When I started to read about all of the different ion gates, channels and pores that are supposed to be in a cell, if you did the math, it doesn't make logical sense because you'd have no membrane left with all the cells punctured into it, all the, all the busyness on top of the cell with all these receptors supposed to be there upregulating and downregulating. You're like, this is sounds like when they're talking about stars and galaxies trillions and trillions of miles away. You can't even conceptualize those numbers. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the shivers, if you know what I mean. Right? Exactly. Uh, shivers of truth. So I just found that that with the understanding of the cell from water perspective and from electricity-based ionic uh, channel or, uh, sorry, ionic transfer, that that it makes more sense on how the body is communicating and so rapidly. And if we structure that water, if we correct that water in our body, then health will return because now the body can do what it does naturally, which is continue to work toward a homeostasis situation. And we can structure it before we drink it. You can even spring water is very structured. It will hold the minerals in that mesh network. Water that's shown to the sun, sun charged water is structured water. I bet you could structure it with intention, honestly. I bet you could sit with water and pray and meditate with water and it will improve. I'm excited for future studies doing this sort of work to see the cause and effect of those uh, uh, implications on water. It's it's really quite profound. Mm. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, Amanda. It also makes sense as to why there is so much vibrational attack on us because that affects the water in us all the time. Yes, and people who have certain conditions, maybe an old injury or arthritis, and when the barometric pressure changes and they feel pain, 
there's pressure systems, but it has a lot to do with the way the water is in your body, swelling, edema, all of these things. And we're constantly communicating. Now, how is that communicating my waters to your waters when we're in proximity or not? Because we found that there's really no space or time. Those are concepts. And when you study things like Rife technologies or other frequency technologies that can be sent at a distance, (laughs) now you have to think outside the box of space and time. And that changes our viewpoint on this whole place because you can send frequencies to somebody at a distance. You can even think of somebody and they might start thinking about you. People have those phenomenon all the time where they just happened. That person just popped in their head for whatever reason. And then the next day they get a call from them, something like this. Or the next moment, or you think about someone and you go around the corner and they stood right there. Yes. This, this to me, that clairvoyant aspect is really our energy fields picking up information that's more subtle when we're able to translate it. And the more we do that work on ourselves to get really grounded and clear where we don't have a busy mind, then we can more easily go into ESP states where we can have these extrasensory perception of our world. And the cleaner we are in our bodies and the more structured the water, I think the easier for that process to happen within us. And uh, it explains a lot of mystery. Things we think are are um, pseudoscience or mysterious now begin to have proper explanation. And then they're taken more seriously. Then we can really study them in the modern thinking because it has been known to ancient cultures forever. And, but we've lost that, you know. Yeah. I watch my cat. I watch my cat. You know, when my when Helen comes home, Helen comes home at different times, but the cat always goes and sits at the door about five minutes before she comes through the door, whether she's walking back or driving back. It's really interesting. That's funny because my dog would do the same thing. I would always know when my partner was just down the road and was going to be home imminently because my dog would sit at the door and just look at it and wait. And it wasn't a habitual timing response that, because they do get that. It was different because it would be different times that he would come home randomly. And they they have that extra sensory already. They they didn't lose it. No, I think that, that yeah, they're much more connected to that energy field and, and that whatever's going through that energy field, they're aware of it. Yes, you know, and we we have that ability, but I, I think it has an enormous amount to do with cleaning this a magnificent kind of receptacle that we're experiencing life through. The, the cleaner we get, not just physically, but also in here and in our hearts, that makes it much easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably one of the reasons why there's such a poisoning campaign and warfare upon us, because that would be the... The enemy's greatest fear would be the slaves rising up and figuring it out, figuring out the con and coming for them. And we can't really do that if we're constantly battling sickness, if we are low energy, if we can't even think very clearly because of all the toxins and poisons and um, cell debris that hasn't even got out of the body or, or hasn't been released because of all the suppressants we so love in this world. <laughs> Bad feeling. I don't like it. Just stop. <laughs> that, that was one of the things I wanted to cover, which we can jump straight into that, was the idea that 
when when you are detoxifying so that when you get sick that's almost the end of the healing process your body's now moving all the junk out in in simplistic terms isn't it so that is the very worst time that you want to now suppress that part of the journey because that's the most important bit yes you're moving in a direction of expression which is good but we've been told that that's bad because it's a symptom that it might give us something we don't like pain or or um, discomfort of any sort, exhaustion, etc. But if we listen to the body and understood that it's innately wise, it's not a mistake, it's not an accident, it's that the body wants to do this and we support it to complete, that's where we get the resolve and the healing. And to continually say no to the body over and over again will eventually lead to to serious chronic illness. And that's mainly because all of the things in which the body wants to release are now still inside. And if you imagine, if you're like a hoarder (laughs) and you keep bringing things into your house, unless you're a very good organizer, it ain't going to go well, right? Same thing in our bodies. No, no, you're right. I think the thing to remember as well is that it's not, the symptom isn't the illness, People look at that and say, well, I need to get rid of this runny nose. No, 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 no. The, the problem's elsewhere. Let it run its course. Yeah. And it, and why is the body doing it in that particular way? Then you can ask questions and learn more about the methods and and reason of the body. And if your nose and your sinuses are draining, it's clearing something. It's making mucus to help wash something away. And could be in the eyes, could be in any part of the head or neck that chose the the sinuses to be the exit route for those that material. And if you're stuck, meaning it doesn't resolve well, then that's an indicator of nutritional status. There's not enough resources on hand by the body to complete the expression properly. And there you get that lingering effect where, yes, I understand if people don't know what to do, uh, don't understand these principles, they will panic because fear has really been embedded in health, you know, and disease so much that they'll run off to the doctors. And of course, that will be the suppression that they'll feel better temporarily and they'll give credit to the doctor. They don't understand that later on now, they're going to have a worse effect from what they've done. They have to now clear the body from whatever drug residue they put in. So that's extra work and extra resources needed to do that. And now they've just gone against your body's life force, which has to work it out. And that takes energy and materials and uh, all sorts of things that have to happen to reset the healing again. And when that reset begins, you're going to get, if you're lucky, you'll get the same symptom again. It'll come out the nose again. The mechanism is there. It's we're going to try again sort of thing. But if you keep saying no to that route of elimination, it will usually find another way to come out. And it could be skin. It could be in the lungs now or lung tissue damage could happen because the body wanted to use that orifice on purpose. It was the more advantageous way to do it. And now you've said, no, it's going to go to to the next one on the list, which might not have been the best option because of the volatility of the materials or the type of materials that have to come out. And we're just, if we keep doing this, we shorten our lifespan. And this is why I don't even promote 
the gentle drugs. There's lots of what they're calling more gentle or microdosing drugs and this sort of thing. Just because it's a little less than the, than the higher dose, it doesn't mean the principles changed. You're still suppressing. You're still uh, killing things in your body. Trying to purge through killing is not ideal. I mean, even parasites. You want parasites out. First of all, you have to understand they come in because you have food for them and they're trying to actually do a job for you. People have gotten this mindset that all parasites are bad. They're bad. Get them out. That there's more to the story if you come from terrain thinking rather than germ theory thinking. All organisms must follow under that philosophy. That includes parasites. And yeah, parasites can cause problems. Certainly, because they are metabolizing very toxic wastes in your body, and they also poop and pee. So that means their their own excretions can cause some inflammatory conditions if you're not nutritionally, you know, in a good viable nutritional spot, or if you have previous damage from other things, you could react a little more violently to those excretions, which are still a volatile type of chemical that's being broken down. That's why you want to be always cleansing in that cleansing habits, cleansing <clears throat> routines to keep up on that. And then you will not get symptoms from parasites. The only people that get symptoms from parasites have low nutritional status or other types of damage that's been done to their systems. They can't handle those wastes to remove, be removed. If you don't want the parasites, then you can chase them out. You can make the terrain uncomfortable for them by changing the pH and also by removing their food for them. If it's metals are going after, then you do your own metal chelation. There's no more food for them. There's not really reason for them to be there. And then just, you know, encourage them to exit. But if you kill them, then they will dissolve inside of you. And that is an extra burden for the body that can also become a problematic in the long run. Again, people have this in the moment, I want it gone mentality. They don't consider the long game of the implications. And even there's Hellman th type of therapies where people ingest uh, eggs of parasites to heal parts of their body, to heal, uh, say, intestinal disease or blockages and things. So we can actually... So are they bad or or, or not bad? You know? Well, if you understand what they're doing for you as a service and that also you and I wouldn't have the same type of parasites in our bodies because we have a totally different internal system of what we've been exposed to. That means it's not random. It's just not like, oh, I ate fish and now I have parasite. No, people eat fish and have no parasites. Why you? Why that parasite? And now? There's a reason for it. And also there's a frequency that gives information out to the world. And all of those things, like we just talked about animals being more sensitive. Could you imagine how sensitive our bacteria is or the bacteria in the around us, you know, is to those frequencies and information? How about parasites? How about fleas and ticks? These sorts of things. Also not random. They come if your energy field is a specific way. They're coming to do a service for you, not to hurt you. This is where if we get this flip in our thinking, the world becomes actually a helpful place for us. And we learn to listen to why the thing has happened 
and get the information from that. And then we can be grateful for the, whatever we think is bad. Oh, I got a tick bite. I got a, this, right. Why would the tick bite cause a huge inflammation in the body in a case of Lyme? Well, first of all, you can get Lyme without a tick bite, which shows you it's just a constitutional state of healing. It's triggered your body into healing. That's why it's they, but they think it's bad and, and it's bad for them because it feels bad. (laughs) I get it. I understand that part, but that's information and being triggered into a healing response. And the problem with people who don't heal well and get chronic Lyme from a bite, they haven't worked on the terrain enough properly to complete the healing cycle, just like any complication you would have from any sort of chronic disease state. Yeah, and that also would come back to being nutritionally deficient. So you haven't got the building materials your body needs to finish the job off. Yes, and people think, oh, I eat a lot of this, I eat well, a lot of my patients, they'd always say the same things. I'm eating, my diet's great. And then I look at their diet, I'm like, not great, no. But they think it's great. They think it's good. A lot of people do. Why would you, you know, oh yeah, I imbibe here, imbibe there. But for people who have already been trying to help themselves, they think that that's good. Uh, But a lot of the times the food is not clean. Even if you're eating meat or eggs or dairy or fruit and vegetables, but it's the sources that matter, what they're being sprayed with, what kind of antibiotics have been put into the animal, the vaccines of the animal, what have the the animals been eating to create that food? And this is also important. And the gut gets destroyed by a lot of these chemicals that we that they've put on our food. And then how are you absorbing those nutrients you think you're eating so well? You can say you're eating it all you want. Are you absorbing it? And then once it's absorbed, is the body able to actually use it in a given amount of time? If things are not fluid enough and transmitting properly in the body, how much action and activity are you getting out of that nutrition before time comes up and you everything's out of the body and you got to refeed again? You know, how how much can it actually use to get right to the end of the goal? And that's where it can be problematic. Yeah, one of the things I've found since I've done a lot more with the fermented stuff mm-hmm. that you actually need only once a day now anyway, but I'm eating less and less because it strikes me that the more bacteria is there to do its job, which is to break everything down and to and to get it all out for you, the better quality bacteria you have, the less food you actually need to eat because you can use it better, what you are eating. Yes. And that's also the reason to understand that germs are not our enemy. They're intimate with us and they do jobs for us. They can not just break down food um, properly and, and the whole fermenting aspect, but also they're um, making certain vitamins. They can manufacture uh, certain things. And also they can break down inorganic minerals. I often see people having a hard time digesting like well water. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a good tell if people are drinking well water, which has, or, or water with a higher mineral content that could be inorganic. If they become arthritic or get kidney stones or issues with their thyroid or issues in the eyes with cataracts, these sorts of things, that's a tell that their gut microbiome is not optimal. Our, we're meant to be able to digest those things through our bacterial flora. And we then uh, don't have symptoms when we drink more of a heavy water 
And that's that's also something I don't think has been studied properly. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I was um, reading as well when I was looking more and more into the fermenting stuff was that they, they were suggesting they have the ability to digest, if you will, some of the herbicides and pesticides on the vegetables, which I found interesting. Makes sense to me because, again, and what are what's the role of these creatures in life? <clears throat> well, it's to break down that which needs to go back to the earth to be, you know, down to its finest element to be reconstituted into other things of life. Makes makes sense. You're, it's going to happen in your body. Makes sense. It's going to happen in the forest. <laughs> and and also that these things are pleomorphic. And I, and you know, there was discussion. I was reading a paper where she was suggesting. Uh, that bacteria in their pleomorphism and their shape changing abilities and which shape changing means function change also that their roles will alter based on what's before them. At some point, it seems that they can also become fixed in whatever they've job they've dedicated themselves to, which I found interesting that they, so they can, decide to stay in one format to do a specific job and then probably those would expire when they're done rather than return back to the somatid baseline. I mean that that suggests such incredibly intelligent design. Incredible. There's no way this is random. No. No way. Excuse me a sec. That's what happens when you talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> if only you and I could get paid by the word, eh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Usually I'll take some ginger sometimes if I've been talking too much. It helps, it helps soothe if there's, because if you're talking a lot and you're straining, you'll get inflammation in the area, a little bit of mucus will form and then that becomes the problem. But then you can take ginger and it'll cut through the mucus. So that's a little tip for people who talk a lot. (laughs) That's a useful tip. Thank you. Mm -hmm. One of the other subjects I really wanted to talk to you about as well was the, I mean, we've kind of, it's it's in amongst everything else, but a little deeper dive into it was the the idea of energy lending, you know, for healing and stuff, and and how we communicate. The, I mean, words are such a poor excuse for communication anyway, especially English. But the 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 energy lending that that kind of connection we have with things, the laying of hands, if you will, that that springs to mind as well. Absolutely, it was an interesting thought I had. I was trying to contemplate and understand. What's happening with, well, first of all, I was contemplating contagion. What is happening when we're around other people with our energy fields, with our minds? And way back, I bought a book by Barbara Brennan called Hands of Light. And she was an ESP. She was highly, highly sensitive. She was able to see those fields, visualize those fields. And she also could see when and where there was disease in the body. And people would come to her, never tell their stories of what was going on with them, just blank slate, and she would read them accurate every single time. And she would simply do a method of laying on of hands and correct the imbalances that way. That's really the future of healing. We're getting there. We're not there yet. (laughs) We still are tinkering around with supplements and devices and gadgets and things, and that's okay. We're going to explore that. We're going to do some healing with that. 
Well, I think I think there are permission slips along the way. You know, a, a journey, you take steps, don't you? And it's a step and it's a step. So to get from there to there is too big, but we can do these little kind of hops across the pond and you get to there in the end. Well, if you start with someone who's on 11 different pharmaceutical drugs, their diet is inadequate, they have high stress levels, they're not going to the bathroom properly, they're not sleeping properly, they're drinking alcohol and doing all sorts of different things to suppress you're not going to go, okay, come, come drop your drugs. I'm going to put my hands on you. We're going to fix this. You're going to be like, whoa, lady. (laughs) Where's the door? (laughs) Yeah. I I have shocked a few people doing this because I I used to do distance Reiki or energy healing all the time. And people would be mystified by how that, and I think it sort of spiritually shocks people actually a little bit. who are not ready for that. I would say you take them through the teachings, doctor is teacher, then you get them off the drugs slowly, you correct their diet over time, you use supplements and things to bolster their nutrition while you're working on diet, while you're sorting things out, helping them understand how to love themselves again, and work on their traumas, these sorts of things take time. And it and then you can use other frequency healings and gadgets and things that you want to get them into a better state of health so that they can think once again, how are you going to get them all the way to the end without shocking them just to take it away, take their disease away? I, I learned long ago not to do that. That's the disease state that they're in is their gift, is something they're supposed to go through to learn. And if you just magically take it away, you've taken away their lessons. And that could also implicate the healer. I found that I was gathering different disease states and experiences from taking it away from someone else, whether that's karmic or otherwise, you know, um, I don't know, but I definitely could sense that there was a mistake I was making in just making such a correction that they didn't do the contemplation of why and how they got into that place in the first, for the first reason. And you, you, that's, you're missing the gift. Hi, buddy. My cat is now vocal today. Sounds lovely. I love cats. He's my old man. He's like 14. And he's just, he's like, mom, you didn't feed me. Sorry. (laughs) Mine will go out and hunt and and then leave a protest kill somewhere for me to tread on. So (laughs) yeah, protest kill. (laughs) Or see, I am valuable. Please feed me. (laughs) This is jumping slightly away from the the topic of the energy lending, but one of the things I noticed with the cat, I watch and she eats different parts of the kill at different times depending on the nutrients she needs. She knows what she needs. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Absolutely. When I see my cats, which have all been good mousers, eat uh, eat the, the rodent, they love the brain. They eat the whole head almost. And the only things they leave 
behind are usually the kidneys and the liver sometimes. Kidneys or spleen or gallbladder, they might eat the liver. So you always see these little balls left. And you're like, what is that? Oh, that's them's kidneys. Um, <laughs> maybe they're not so tasty. I don't, I don't know why. Or maybe it's a gift for me. Maybe it's the best part. <laughs> well, may, maybe, but I think they, they know the bits. Because I, I know that the, I, I basically, like with the raw milk and stuff, the cat has that. I have raw cream. Yeah. You know, I ferment a load of stuff. She'll eat the right stuff and she'll sniff and leave the stuff away. So she's as good a guide as any to me on what's available to eat and what we should eat. Oh, yes, absolutely. They, they, their noses don't lie to them for that. Well, I mean, I know there's there's animals that have been vaccinated and they lose that and then they they eat anything and they get obese. Um, none of my cats have ever had any shots and you can see how they operate perfectly well. <laughs> And know know what's right and wrong for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the um, I lost my train of thought. Then I was thinking about cats. Oh, I wanted to just I just wanted to mention something. Then back to the energy lending thing because where I was cycling with that was I was trying to from my contagion ponderings of what, how we influence one another. Right? Because I don't see contagion as it's been sold to us. Obviously, where there's some mystery particle that we can't see floating from our mouths or our orifices and then hit someone else and goes in them and makes them sick. That's ridiculous. That does not happen. However, we do interact. There is constant information coming back and forth between parties. That means there's all kinds of subtle communication, other methods and triggers and things that can happen. If someone is, is resonating with an illness, which an illness is a detox and a cleanse and a correction. So if someone is in that state and they are um, around someone who is presenting as healthy, doesn't mean they're healthy, but presenting as without symptoms, that person can be triggered into the same type of symptom release, but it's only if they already need the symptom release, because otherwise that would happen the person would be walking down the street and everybody would be triggered into the same thing by them so to me there that means there's a relationship with a communication and a feedback happening to help us so the world outside of us is actually trying to help us continually find the knowledge and the rebalancing tools and if that person and their frequency is harmonically resonating with me that means I was due for that. I needed that. Something from that is helping me to purge. If this person is a tribal member, someone in my family, someone I know intimately, that's even more so of a resonance because that has other implications for your overall well-being of life, where you're traveling somewhere or you're functioning together. It is usually a purge or a cleanse to doing it together is better because then everyone gets through it and then you can move on with life kind of idea rather than everybody lingering. And so that was, I was thinking about that, but then I have all these experiences where I've been around those people going through it. And I feel I don't get triggered by them in those symptoms per se, but after I feel kind of drained a little bit and I'm was contemplating reading Barbara Brennan's book. She has really great images of the field and how things interact, what she would see with her eyes. If someone was angry, what would happen to the brain and how that person would receive an angry, you know, red arrow and this sort of stuff. 
And I, I was trying to, to, I was contemplating, do people who are of a frequency pull from their environment to get more energy? Makes sense to me, right? There's more than just the food part that's giving us the, the energy flow. It's coming from the ether. It's coming from other people. And if you're really sick, and then that's, then it comes back to the laying on of hands. Say, say you have a bunch of people laying on of hands all at once. Is that person now taking energy from those people or through those people? Maybe it's not from them directly. Maybe the person's being used as a conduit for that energy to flow because perhaps their fields are so collapsed or she would see holes in their fields and all kinds of uh, deficits. Perhaps that's helping the field regain some sort of integrity from this. And that's the energy lending idea that we can do this for one another, whether it happens subconsciously, consciously, or otherwise. And it, and I was thinking about the vaccinated, the, with the new technology <laughs> and are they doing that? And is that helping them if they're around people and it's helping them pull in energy again, that would be a fascinating study to have people who are vaccinated and doing poorly and measure the the fields, uh, visualize the fields. I'm sure we have, I know we have curly in photography. There might be other tech that we have that can visualize fields and visualize the healthy people's fields. And what happens, what happens in those interactions? And from Barbara Brennan's work, it seems that that's the case that we do exchange things and give and energy lend. It doesn't necessarily have to cause you to be feeling drained, but, but it can if you're either doing it incorrectly or perhaps you feel empathy for someone and that's opens up things, opens your field up more to that energy lending process. Um, but it's really something I've just been contemplating and, and philosophizing and trying to find evidence for, because when you have that knowledge that this is how this place works, now you want to apply it and think how it could be applied. And then that you get to hypotheses this way then you can test your hypothesis and see if it's true. And that's where that's where my thinking has gone with a lot of these uh, situations. And the same goes with, you know, it can go both ways. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't have to just be in one direction, but it does show us that we are tribal creatures, that we do need other people. And part of the agenda is to separate people because what if our ideas also, when we're around others, <laughs> lend to the other, right? And uh, so, well, I'm, I'm sure that happens because you have, you know, like conversations with this. There's, there's much more going on, and ideas are bouncing back and forth all the time. And, I, and there's been a couple of times today we're speaking to you. I've got an idea of what you're going to say next, just because I'm trying to tune it, or I'm tuned into the conversation with you. Yeah. So that has to be going yeah, on. Yeah, the tuning in. Right. And, and and that active tuning in, I'm sure, assists the harmonization aspect, the, the vibrational um, alignment where that transmission can happen more in a swift or clear way. Yeah. Fascinating. That also gets me thinking about the, these rather irritating, stupid devices that we have got yeah. because they... I, I go out and I see people walking around. All you see is their face down. They're moving their thumbs. They're not looking up around anymore. They're not interacting with each other. And even when they're having conversations, they're texting and stuff like that. And that, to me, is all part of this, to, to break that connection where we should be having these very intimate, focused discussions 
you know, with people around us all the time, away from the phones, away from the stuff, concentrate, be attentive and see what's really being said. You get so much more from it. Yeah. Yes. The distractions and the flickering light and it's all very detrimental to our ability to think and concentrate. That's what I find. It's scattery, right? You're, you're swipe, swipe, swipe. You're onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Your brain has seen process what you just learned, you know, in that moment, how much of this is retained, how much of this is actually beneficial to go through this information in this, this manner, rather than sitting and deciding the theme of the day. When I was with my spiritual teacher, we had daily themes in the morning, we would meditate together. Then we would express things we needed to, to express um, for whatever was happening. And in that communication and expression, we would find, we would come back to similar themes in our discussion. And once we had a thread, we could identify, ah, today's theme is water. Today's theme is we're going to go for a walk. Today's theme is whatever. And that's what we would do. We would let ourselves tell ourselves through the subtle way we were speaking, what the energy of the day was and how we could best use the day by aligning with it rather than pouring our own wills onto onto the energy and it really helps life flow when you do these sorts of things that, that makes sense because what what you're not doing then it, it i used to set goals all the time because that's how i was educated that's how you become successful when i used to be in and around that mindset but what I found in, in my experience anyway is that takes you, it disconnects you from that, that flow of energy, that thread of your experience because you're over here doing something instead of being attentive to all the subtle stuff that's wanting your attention and you notice things and you even like the caress of the wind can get your attention onto a plant you're supposed to look at because of the color and everything like that. So I, I think it's important that we get more of that and get more time to do that and just relax into the day. You've got stuff you're going to do, of course you do, but at the same time, just just focus on what you feel like you should be focused on that day and it'll change. And trust, learn, that feedback brings you into self-trust. And Well, it's not just self-trust, is it, Amanda? Sorry if I'm ever talking. It's, it's a trust that you are part of this magnificent conscious intelligence that you have a part to play. And when you start to play within the orchestra, you're no longer this discordant sound. You're starting to play the instrument, your instrument, the way you should be playing it. Yes. And I also see trust as a term from law, if you understand <laughs> yep. trust. And when I when I see that word in my head, I think of as an energy reserve, because a trust is like a, a mon monetary reserve or an energy reserve that you're going to slowly pull from, right? That's protected. And that's when you trust yourself, it's as if now you are giving yourself a reserve because you're not going against the energy presented to you in that day. You're doing the opposite. You're flowing or surfing in that energy. And it becomes a little more lighter and a little more joyful and less drama usually comes from that. Drama, accidents, problems. I think most accidents are legitimately people going against the grain like that. And they were, aren't meant to happen at all. It's our not listening that gets us into accidents. Well, I think that's part of it. You know, if, if you, yeah. I've noticed that I, I've got a, a good mind, which is a blessing and a curse because I tend to overuse it. And when I've had, if I stop, if I get an instinct, I should stop doing something. If I don't stop right then and do it, 
then that's when problems follow it. So it's again, it's learning to listen to that because that's you. I'm sure it's a connection to the field that's saying, there's, you've got a problem coming. This is a little, little bell's going off. It's a quiet one. You should pay attention to the little bell. Yeah. And of course we don't because we're busy doing other stuff and then all hell breaks loose. Or we get into what I experienced, which is pushing through things and just, you know, um, what is it? Man up, you know, like just meaning that sort of like suck it up that we're told a lot, just get over it, get through it. And that becomes a habit. And especially if you're an achiever type, then you just push your, you ignore your discomfort, you ignore the warning signs because you have a goal, you want to get it done and move on to the next goal. Right. And one of the things I used to teach in my, when I was teaching Reiki is a segmenting of your day to uh, manage your time better because people want to be more productive, generally speaking. But we have this misunderstanding that productivity has to be grueling and, and sweat upon the brow all the time or troublesome. And it doesn't have to be production or productivity. It can give you lots of free time in the day. And if you segment your day and find your own rhythm and your own flow, which could change. There's actually charts you can look up. Um, I can't remember, maybe you know the name of it. I haven't looked at this in many years. It's a type of energy flow calculator that you can type in your birthday and you can get sort of which what days are high energy, what days are low energy, what days your mind is functioning better, what days your, um, your emotions are functioning better. There's something, it's called something, I'll, I'll remember it later. It's, it's a funny one, that, because I've been thinking a lot about that birthday thing and, and a lot of the research I'm doing now with people like Sweet Generous and looking at Kurt Kallenbach's work as well, that your birthday is obviously the, the creation point of the legal fiction. Yes. Because your creation point was the moment that fertilization happened, which is nine or so months beforehand. So I wonder if some of the charts we have are actually less accurate because they're referring to a different point in time. It could be. Um, the way that I've understood it, and I could be wrong, but the way that I've rationalized it, at least, um, is that we are on call. We are in water when we're in the womb, and that suspends the imprinting part until we're released from the waters or the waters break or there's exposure of the body to this place through the ether, uh, through the air, etc. That moment of exposure it becomes an imprint point of that makes sense. the whole celestial aspect. And not to say that the waters can't be influenced. Of course, they're going to be influenced by all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. How much stays with us is, I think, that imprint point is, is really big. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. I mean, that, that, that whole area to me needs a lot more exploration um, because as you, as you dive further into it, then you can start to question the validity of all the laws and everything because they can't apply to you because they're referencing a different entity altogether that was created later on. And they're capturing the birth at that point. I think the birth is the sacred entry point, absolutely, but they want it. And that that's where they create the fiction and and keep you with the, the maritime law terminology Right. Well, they, they don't keep you. They keep the fiction that you identify as, not you, but a lot of people identify as, and there's the trick. Yeah. So they would they would use the placenta. That's the that's the birth. They're arranging. You look at born alive. Yeah. It's anything that you know could be registered as alive, which which the placenta could be, and that's also why they do the cut, which is another dreadful thing, as you've talked about. 
You know, you're depriving the baby of all sorts of nutrients, blood, everything. It should be doing its job for several hours afterwards. Mm -hmm. But that's how they create that. But then what they do is, and I've talked a lot about this in recent content, that's they they have to get you to identify as that. Otherwise, it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have, it's your consent. That's what we try to teach people about empowerment. Don't give your power away anymore. And that's the trick at birth to give away your baby, give the power to somebody else to use for their own gains. Well, in contractual law, consent corrects error. So they know it's erroneous, but if you go along with it, you've consented to it, so the error goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all, yeah. That's, that's yeah. a whole other interesting topic, that one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of other energetic aspects that are to be considered and... And we really do need to get free of it. There's been a lot more talk about it, which is good. Yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah. And 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 people are starting to study it a little bit more because we do. I, I personally am not interested in a digital ID, and I will not be getting one. And no one will force me to get one. I don't care what privileges they're dangling in front of my face. Well, if you look, if you look at the digital ID, Amanda, and I agree that it's it's that would be the worst thing anyone could do. It's going to be based off your birth certificate, but the birth certificate is erroneous because it doesn't refer to you. It can't refer to you. You know, so what right. this so uh, digital ID is just for your straw man. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. And if, if you get if you go and request a copy of a birth certificate and then ask for an apostille from them, they will state on there that they can guarantee they will they will guarantee that this is as the entry, but they can't guarantee the correctness of the entry. Mm-hmm. So they're already admitting there's a fraud there. So now they want to build a digital ID for you and me on top of a fraud. But if you don't call the fraud out, the, the you know it's corrected again. So it's an interesting thing. So I, I agree. There's no way I'm going anywhere near that. I will do anything while I'm drawing breath to avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent that I will die on that hill. Yep. Me too. And, and also think about how they're doing this. They want your biometrics. That's beyond straw man at this point. That's them trying to actually capture you as a living being in your animation in a way like your voice and your iris and your fingerprints. And they're trying to get the claws on your entity tighter. And that just isn't going to work. Cause that means you have to consent to that. And that's literally handing your body over to them. So it's not just that you've handed over your um, the, the name or, the, or, <laughs> or the address or any of these, you know, relationships it's deeper now where they're wanting this it is and i think one of the things they're doing with it is that it's so it becomes impossible for someone who isn't asking questions to identify that uh, sorry they can't stop identifying as that because look it's got all these things it has to be me it's very easy when it's just a photograph and a name right now so the more information they say what this is you people will just accept it yeah. You know, so I think that's part of it. So that they're actually getting their hooks into you, not so much physically, because all this is just a mind game anyway. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and also, you know, we, it, well, it's tricks for one, but it's illogical. There's lo- ma- major lo- logical fallacies that are being made where, you know, A equals B, you know, uh, so um, your birth equals you. And then, you, so you exist, therefore I can take you. You don't get to make those assumptions that you own me 
and no you're right but they do for most people but if you if you start yeah. to ask questions that's the key if you say no just wait a second you know wh what evidence have you got that makes you assume jurisdiction over me and that's a real difficult question for them and that's the most important thing i find if you're trying to protect yourself is really understanding jurisdiction and making them prove the jurisdiction and if they can't cough up the british north american act or these sorts of papers the originals oh well yep. nice try but you got it yeah. you don't got it so <laughs> off you go with your little tax book <laughs> yeah nice try <laughs> yeah. is there anything else you'd like to talk about amanda well always you know that's part of my problem, I guess, is that I have too much to talk about and think about. Um, but I, I just, I, I really hope, I hope that now with everything going with these 15 minute cities that they're, they're really heavy handed now, I notice they're, they're really upping their pummeling of us. They want this hard. They want it. And I'm kind of happy they're doing it in this messy way. It's really obvious. That's why I was saying I'm writing this article, my Substack article, on what all the many things they are doing to try to corral us into our cages, making it uncomfortable at every possible level so that we choose to do it. But that means they can't just go and take you and take your stuff. They can't go and just put you in the prison. You have to walk into the prison, and th that's why they're they're gonna they're doing terrible things to our weather through weather modification, trying to attack our soils and our food supply, even our own growing with acid rain now from this train derailment in Ohio, which is only about six to eight hours away from my area, and constantly just pump in the the inflation the gas prices the not wanting you to travel it's all there to keep try to keep us stuck when we are not that we are flow we are meant to be free and the more that people see it with this sloppiness that they're doing the better because i know in i know in parts of the uk i don't know where if it's happening for you but they're putting those low traffic network uh, or uh, neighborhood pylons in place that's right yeah and people are getting really irate about it because it's it's actually doing the opposite. They're saying they're doing it for fake global warming and this carbon <laughs> carbon credit scamola. Is again not even science. Uh, but they're you know they're making you drive longer. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't get that. Like it, I thought this was about saving the environment, guys, but clearly you're making it more difficult for people to travel. How are they? How is that selling your your little 15-minute neighborhood, exactly. It's exposing more of their lies to even the ones of the people that so desperately want to believe everything's still all right. Yeah. You know, and they're pushing so fast and so hard that will only serve to get more people. Because I have people talking to me now that for years have said, you are definitely one slice short of a sandwich, Adrian. They're coming back now and going, actually, you know, you might be onto something. I said, well, yeah, sure. There's, there's tons of research. There's all the, you know, the evidence, the information you need. It's good to hear that you're now thinking. As I said to a guy the other day, and I've said this so much to people, look, I don't care what you think. What I do care is you're not thinking your own thoughts. You start thinking your own thoughts, you will work your own path out, and that's all we need. If we're all doing that, 
this will be over very quickly. What's not all right is when you are simply rabbiting something back that you've given no thought to. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it must be to function when your pineal gland is so crusted over and you're full of fluoride and you're in a rat race just to survive. So many people are just paycheck to paycheck now, just part of it. Poverty, putting people into a state of poverty is a great way to instill fear and then get gain control over those people. Um, but ultimately, hi, buddy. Ultimately, you know, we need to step away for a moment, at least have some time to reflect and and see what your life is. But uh, a lot of people just don't even don't do that. And they just go and they're just automatons in that way. I don't know how that's joyful living. but Well, it's not living, is it? It's, it's, it's whatever it is. It's something completely different that I can't even come to grips with anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I know. Find, yeah, you go, you do what you want to do. That's fine with me. Let me do what I want to do. I'm good with that. That's easy. Yeah, I feel that way with a lot of things. I just want to live my purpose, have my family, grow my food, enjoy nature and my land, and uh, be able to travel. Sometimes I would like that. Yeah, I haven't I miss really that. felt good to travel right now. I know that the states is opening up. Uh, and I've been invited to some conferences and things I might go to. I, I might have a bug out plan in Mexico. That could be the backup place. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I, I thought about listen. all that because you're you're in a very difficult place up there because of that idiot you've got running the show or so-called running the show. Yeah. But I'm I'm also very much of a mind that it's better to be in the territory you're familiar with. For me, yeah, I I think it's really just a backup plan in case things go really get really weird. If you have a lot of people who are desperate, that's more my worry. It's not what the government's trying to do. It's more the effect on the people and their desperation. If they're so in poverty and, and stress that they will do whatever it takes to survive. And that, that becomes a danger to the country too. So, But perhaps it won't get to that because... I can feel things changing and I can sense things changing. I don't know why, but I feel more positive now than I did a year ago. Yeah, I I feel, I go, I have different days I, where I feel one day I'll be like, yes, this is good. We're getting there. And another day I'll be like, well, we're doomed. You know, the, the millennials, they can't read a freaking um, analog clock. Okay. We're, we're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that or got in a car the other day and someone said I was in a car with wind down windows, a very old car, and he went, How do you open the window? I went, You're kidding me, really? <laughs> yeah, I I realize now with my child I have to actually teach her because we've the tech has soared through our lifetime in such a rapid degree. How would she know some of these things unless they were presented to her? So I'm gonna do a, a history of mom course. <laughs> for her. <laughs> Here are the gadgets we used growing up and where they came from and how they evolved. Now you know. <laughs> Read me a clock, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good skill. It's a good skill. Yeah. It's history. It's it's a history lesson. And yes, this is what a rotary phone is. We everything had a cord. You didn't know who was calling when the phone rang. It was random. And all of these 
all of, you know, I didn't have my first computer. I think I was in my teens. I think I was 16 when I got my first computer. Yeah, I was 19. That was, yeah, I was still considered early. That was still DOS and, you know, dial up and black screens and really talking with real people that you could go down and meet in real time. <laughs> <laughs> but we will need people. The internet is something they're going to threaten because we're so addicted to it. That is going to be a, a, a tool, right? The uncomfortable tools are coming where they're going to restrict the things we're used to, to co try to coerce us into their system. And that for sure, internet as is a card that they will use. And I think they're going to try to pretend that there's something happening, whether they do Project Bluebeam or not. They seem to be trying that one out a little bit lately and say, oh, our electrical grids have been collapsed by this weird saucer that's come into our area. And now we don't have Internet anymore for a while. And Unfortunately, during that time, the bots took over the internet when people were off it or something. Like there'll be some sort some of story. And story yeah. Now we don't know. Yeah, now we don't know who humans are or bots. Therefore, we need to you to prove you're human so we can get you back into the internet or some yeah, kind of crap. Preview of the color of man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might be part of their ploy. <laughs> but uh I I think it's funny, actually. I kind of now, what, so when I see it, my first one is, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Then I kind of laugh in a way because it's so ridiculous and I can see right through it. And I feel like the more I hold that energy there, it allows for more people to just see how it has absolutely absurd and nothing we want any part in. But we do will need people if we do want internet to build our own systems, to build intranet for local. So you, you could have internet with all your neighbors. And then, because we can do that, there are people who know how to build internet systems. It's not that hard. I mean, one one of the best things really would be to remember that I think we've taken to the internet because it's just a mirror of what we're really capable of in terms of energy and information when we remember how to do that again, sharing information, connecting to everything is already connected to it. So hopefully we won't need this artificial stuff for that much longer anyway, but who knows? Yeah, at some point, the way we've been using technology by extracting metals from the earth and all of these toxic things and the, the EMFs that and all that, we all, I believe that water was our internet. <laughs> well, it's the thing that connects all life. Mm -hmm. So now put water and sound and crystal together and you've got your network that's healthy <laughs> and easy. That's, that's where it'll go for sure. Do that. And uh, it would be nice to be still inhabiting this physics, physical body to experience that because I don't want to go anywhere while all this shit show is going. I want to see what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I do agree with the staying put, staying where you're familiar, you know, anchoring yourself, having a good community around you, knowing the language that you're in so you can communicate properly. That, that's why I decided I would stay in Ontario, despite me not liking this province and never really liking this province my whole life. <laughs> the irony of that, but it's right on the shield and that you can't, they can't harp an earthquake really here very well. All they can really manufacture with their storms are a lot of wind and a lot of precipitation mainly. And we've seen quite a bit of that this year. So I kind of know what it looks like. But uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't want to live in 
places where they're on fault lines or near big bodies of water that could have tsunamis and things because they're going to continue to pummel us with their tech because they want us to believe in climate change so badly. So they're going to mess with temperatures and things. And if people just understood that this is manufactured by them, that we've had the tech for a very long time, again, you become empowered because you realize, oh, they're messing with our natural systems to try to trick us. And if you're not being fooled, then you can be the, the wise man and see what they're doing. And then we can actually take steps to stop them from doing it. But if you just think it's real, you're not going to know. <laughs> but wow, it's an unseasonably, unseasonably warm winter this year. It must be global warming, you know? <laughs> we had minus five the other day. Now we've got 10 degrees today. And it's like, yeah, okay, this is all normal. They've been do I noticed they've been doing that lately, major fluctuations. And that's one reason what happens is uh, temperature fluctuations change the way your waters are in your body and change your cleansing systems and and priorities. So a lot of people will get sick when the the temperatures fluctuate like that because it's triggering them into a release. And then they can go and try to push another fake virus if they want or something. I think there's another one they're trying to push right now. I don't, I think everyone's virus, virus <laughs> exhausted. They're not listening to that. I mean, this one, this book, the, the COVID scam, it was supposed to be like the most deadly. It's a pandemic. It's the scariest. And they're like, I don't know. We're still walking around. So, so the people that have uh, had the, uh, maybe not the injection that are dropping right now that I know. Oh yeah. And the kids, the children, and you know that they this is end game for them because typically when they release their biological weapons called vaccines and people die from them, it doesn't take too long for the repercussions of that to stop the, or for them to have to reflect or have to address the damage, you know, in history. But this time they are just going for it. They're ignoring all the deaths. They're doing a lot of work to make sure that on the death certificate has says nothing about that. They don't even, uh, I had a, a family, a friend and their, one of their family members died, um, <clears throat> took the shot and they didn't even do an autopsy. They just, they basically said, Oh yeah, we could tell it's a heart attack and that's it. So they're not there. Well, what caused the heart attack? Don't care. You know, that's not of interest. So that, they they definitely on are on purpose. What are you doing, <laughs> loudmouth? Um, they they that's uh, and that means there's malicious intent. People don't see that. They like what my government loves me. Well, that's malicious intent. They're killing your kids. They know that this is happening, and they're choosing to ignore it and bury it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it's a huge problem. That's a problem. But it can only ride so far. No, I know. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, some days I feel really positive, and then other days I feel really like, "Oh my God, we're are we going to make it? <laughs> are we going to get it through through this portal?" Yeah. I think. Well, yeah, oh. I, I do. I think we will. I don't think it's going to be nice, but I think we will. Oh wow! Yeah. Cool. He just wants a laugh. Yeah, that's Bubba G. <laughs> Hi, baby. <laughs> He was demanding. He gets his way. He's well, cat, the boss always are. Here, so. they, they know what they are, and they know that they have us as pets, so that's fine. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> we're black today, buddy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> it's, it's not going to stay black for long, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
no, 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 already no. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm just gonna keep listening to what my daily themes are and continue on with it and uh, educate as many people as possible, help people as, as much as possible. And uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the next few years. For all the work you do, thank you. It's 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 inspirational to watch. It always has been. And also, thank you for taking time out of your day to yeah. do what you do. And any more content that you create that you think would be appropriate, or I think would be appropriate for a voiceover, I'm more than happy to do that because it helps more people get your stuff. Yes, and people like to listen while they're driving or doing other things. Yeah. So that's that's wonderful. I think that the next article you might it might read well. I'll see. I, there's a lot of parentheses. I'm doing a sentence and filling in with parentheses, but I'm trying to also make it flow as if it is a sentence. So that should I'll be figure it out. If I get okay. stuck, I'll reach out and say, "Just how are we going to do this? <laughs> so I'm going to figure it out." <laughs> yeah, you can add an and or an or. I'll work it out. Fine. I've yeah. got some skill like that. So I'll just sit there and stare at it for a bit and go, no, I'll go for a walk and play in the garden for a bit. And then I'll come back and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, it, it's important we identify the shadow. We got to see what we're dealing with. We have to know the plans. We have to have awareness of what's happening. And then we move into solutions. I, I, it's fine to know and, 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 and be, we could be stressed about that even. We need to take it to the next step. Now, what do we do about it? How do we solve it? What are our methods? And that's where we need, I keep reminding people to go all well, the it way. It doesn't serve anyone just to regurgitate the same problem because all you're doing is feeding that energy and energy follows thought. You've got to then say, okay, that's fine. What is it we want? And then go to work on that. Yes. And remember that this place is meant to be benign. It's meant to be give us goodness. It's it's meant to be something where we bring the all all the things we truly are, love and goodness, through into this place from our source. Because that is source. Source is love. And all else is illusion. And uh, if we remember that, then it keeps us, our minds more healthy and our spirit more directed. And then we can accomplish what we're here to do. So I'm, I'm, I try to always be the optimist, despite what it might look like. I was very upset about the train derailment in Ohio because it just knowing how much damage it did to life and for such negligence, they, they, it's pure negligence that should never happen. That the trains, I don't, I've been actually studying <laughs> how trains work. I don't even, didn't even know how trains worked. I didn't know that the conductor has to actually use technology inside the train to stretch it or compress it, depending on hills and valleys and things. I didn't know that 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 was even I thought they just just pulled it along. I didn't know there was more in, uh, nuance to it. And if the train is really, really long, then that becomes more of an art. It becomes more difficult for the how shorten or length they're pulling of the different cars in between one another. And if you have hazardous toxic chemicals that can endanger life, you don't put them on the back end of a thousand foot, a thousand car train system or whatever, how many, it was this lo huge, long, long train. At the end were these five cars of vinyl chloride. 
That's and that's the worst position you would want to put vinyl chloride in is at the end. That's more susceptible there. Unless you want it to cause a problem. That's all by I think that's because everything is by design. I I cannot they've done that by I, I can't wrap my head around how it's possible that we've got enough intelligent people that have been around a while to do stuff can can just make a mistake. It, it doesn't, it, there's too many mistakes being made. It doesn't happen unless it's intelligent. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to do know, people and, there, and it's easy to get people because you just compartmentalize them. You do that, you do that. You, you don't tell anyone about the whole, but someone has to go, right, if we do that, that, and that, bang, that'll happen. Yeah. And the train conductors, they know the safety procedures and things that are supposed to happen. And I bet the ones who vocalized their concerns were fired, right? Just shut up and do the job. We don't care that the train's too long. We don't care that this is a hazard, right? And and it's because it costs them. If they shorten the trains and have more train rides, it's costly. So they just look at the paperwork. They're like, oh, bottom line is too fat. Cut. We have to cut costs. How are we going to cut costs? Lengthen the train. We don't care. Just put the toxic crap at the end in case it falls <laughs> off. Who gives a crap? Yeah, really. <laughs> but they'll answer for that. They all do. So this is negligence. It's it's conscious negligence, I guess, in a way, because it, they're negligent in the sense that they don't care about safety. But I think there's it, there's more to what's happening because there's magic. There's black magic and spells also happening. And if you aren't in control of your consciousness, then those spells can take hold of your mind. And then you begin to play them out and... That people just need to understand energy to understand a lot of this stuff. But that's what Super Bowl and Grammys and all of these things, they're all spell casting. And TV in, is, in, in, in and of itself is spell casting, right? And telling a story. I really starting to become cautious when people retell stories, even the way they tell a story, that it can imprint on you, that it can be like a spell over you and suggest things to you. Very, very aware of that more and more. And yeah, well, that's what it's all about. That's what spelling is. We're taught to spell as children. I heard that English, the English language being a Germanic language was a concoction from basic German, adding in French words and other Portuguese words, other types of words that was done in a specific way that when you are speaking, if you were to reverse the language, you get another language behind it. That's the reversal. If you if you listen to stuff played backwards, it's quite interesting. You can hear very specific words coming out. Right. Which is getting which is why they call it a demonic or dark language English, because you're actually spelling. I was speaking to who was it now? Dave. Uh, allegedly Dave the other day. And he said, you know, the Inuits have 50 different words mm -hmm. for types of snow because it's very important in their world that they have that differentiation. He said English has, I think it was over 250 yes. words for um, deception. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? <laughs> that's, <Yeah>. that's telling. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I learned another language better than I did now because of that, like Latin. And I'm going to, I'm starting to teach a little bit of Latin. My, my daughter is learning German right now, but when she's sort of done her base on that, I'm going to teach her the basics of Latin and help her understand. Because I really understood Latin naturally because I had to look at the Latin when I was studying all the sciences. It's all throughout. 
And when I would read the word, I didn't even need to know the meaning because it presented itself in the word itself. I understood it on another level and it was more natural, but we've been now given unnatural language that spell casts as we speak. And and there's a lot of word magicians out there that are using different techniques. Was it Wigmore? I think it was Wigmore, wasn't it, that said that the uh, the guy, it was a Wigmore quote. Um, Sweet Generous pointed it out to me. And he, it was basically that the only the only man or woman that can know the meaning of the words is the one who's speaking or writing them. So they know their intent and they know the definitions of the words. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he, he pointed out was it's very useful then to say to people, first of all, what's your intent behind what you're saying or writing? How are you defining these words? And also what definitions that could potentially be applied to those words should I not use? So you can back them right into a corner with that. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Because that, that's what the lawyers do. They just, they obfuscate the entire thing. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's another, it looks like an English language, but it's a, a whole another language. Yeah, legally. <laughs> With its own book of definitions. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing. That's why you have to have Black's Law Dictionary just to understand the, the legalese, which is its own language. I put, um, I think I've got seven, seven different editions now loaded on one of the pages on the website for people for that. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. actually take quite a lot of your content as well if I see stuff I think is really important just to archive it somewhere else as well so it's not going to get lost. Great idea. And I really recommend people, if they find something on a website or wherever, that they say, they just bookmark it. They take it off. Yes. I have so many links that are broken now from my research even a year ago that's gone. It's alarming. And they have been trying to degrade our internet as well. That's on purpose because not just for censorship and hiding, like my websites are hidden unless you have a keyword that's going to pop me up. If you just put DMSO in your search, you probably won't even get me, you know, which you should, because I've said it so many times in so many videos and articles, it should pop up. It doesn't. <laughs> it should, yeah. On purpose. Yeah. And even my stores and my businesses, they won't pop up. You have to actually know what you're looking for. And I find that now you really have to know specifically what you're trying to find to get it and how to sift through all the misinformation in the first three pages before you get to anything of value. Because when I'm writing that Substack article, I'm researching those topics and trying to put in a link that's relevant. And I'm going back to some of my old links to pull them through to see if they're still there. And I would say about 70% of them are gone and then trying to find it again. But I'm using the same keywords as was in the original article or the original link to do my searches. If I didn't, I might not get much of anything there. And there's also the dead internet theory where they're saying that they've been putting bots and fake accounts through and through and through for years that even on social media, you think you're talking with a living person that's communicating with you, but they're all fake accounts. And that they're saying an upwards of 70% of the internet is not even real accounts, real websites, real people, real things. Yeah. Do, do you ever go on archive.org when you're looking for the sites that have gone missing? Because you may find some there. Yes, I, I use I use archive a lot. Um, I use Kenadachi's site a lot. There's there there are still hubs that I'm amazed still are even there right now. <laughs> uh, like educate yourself. 
right? That one. That's a good one. So yeah, I so save it. Yeah, save as much as you can. If there's a PDF of a book, I'd always download it and then I back it up. So it's not even just on my my computer hard drive. It's on an external hard drive as a backup as well. I've got a whole backup routine going across, I think, seven different drives now across different locations. Yep. And then I'll have a, a two, I'll have a double external hard drive backup. Because, <laughs> well, what if, your, what if your computer failed and your external hard drive failed? Then what? So, yeah. But then eventually, I think we will return to elegance in our, in our ways after this. I think this is the great fall of their world, that they can't continue this anymore. That's how I see it. And that we will now step in and build proper societies the way that we always wanted to. Then we we don't have to complain about traffic anymore. <laughs> Got the goosebumps again. <laughs> it has to. It's too, it's too overt. They're not subtle anymore. They're not look at this the halftime of Super Bowls. This is they're dressed in blood red from head to toe. They look like blood clots. You know, someone made a joke that Pfizer sponsored the the whatever the Grammys or whatever it was <laughs> because they were celebrating blood clots because they all were dressed in this bright red satanic looking outfits. And they're they love the transgender, the rainbow agenda, right? Which in my article, I'm saying that real gay people, normal gay people, like grounded, sane, <laughs> great gay people. They hate it too, by the way, because it's warped and it gives everyone a bad name, right? And also it hides them from all the things that we're saying are supposed to be equal among us, right? But they get the shaft. The truly gay people are getting the shaft from the whole LGBTQ tranny pedo thing going on. And so there's gays against groomers and all kinds of groups popping up of of gays going, this is ridiculous. Just like we're all saying, all normal saint people will say, because this is not, that's not representing gay people. That's, that's an, ins that's insanity. That's mental illness. That's not right. Right. So I, well, I'm it's, it's just, it's endemic of everything that's going on right now. It, it, it's definitely, to me, it feels like, I don't know whether the end times, it sounds kind of terminal i think it's just the end of an age definitely at least i hope it's that because it has to come to it has to come to an end because it's getting i mean it's it's insanity but then the ones that are running it think the rest of us are insane which is really curious yeah well they're projecting their own insanity outward so that they're seeing it everywhere they go because it's trying to show them them <laughs> that's right yep <laughs> yeah it it it's it's people are are getting fed up. I can see it. I mean, even my own father, I was talking to him the other day. He's not doing the digital ID thing. Screw that. What? And they have a tech, the OPP has a new tech. So they say, okay, so they say, I don't, until I see it, I don't believe it. But they said they have a tech now in the license plates that they can automatically read all this information about you just by a scanner of your license plate. They can tell whether you have paid whether your things are expired, all kinds of information. So you're just driving by and they're scanning you and they have all this information. Not the way it used to be where they'd stop you, then they'd get your information and then they'd run it through the system and 
find out whatever is what's going on, right? That, that's a total breach of your privacy to do that. I don't care what kind of public conveyance situation you're in. That is a, they, they don't even see that. They don't think that's a problem, that that's a privacy leak. What if somebody else gets a hand on that technology and they can scan your driver's, your uh, license plate and find out who you are? What Where's that go? What's happening there? And because what happened up here, we used to go into the M, the, the MTO to the, the Transportation uh, Ontario, and we used to have to pay for a sticker to put on your license uh, that says you're up to date, you paid for the year. So it's a, basically another tax. You know. Then they, last year or so, they said, we're abolishing the sticker thing and you don't need them anymore. And they actually gave us a refund. Well, a lot of people were like, cool, this is awesome because this is stupid. I don't need to pay for this anymore. This is great. And most people, including me, we just didn't do anything anymore. We thought we were good. And then we find out, no, actually you have to go online and you have to pay for the sticker still. You just don't get an actual sticker. It updates your license plate for this system. So that so people were driving by and they were like, yeah, this person didn't get a sticker. This person didn't get it. There were just tons of them because nobody did it after that. So they're trying to now catch them and find them for not following along with their confusing changes that most elders, especially, had no idea that they were having to now go online and purchase this way, right? Everything becoming automated, everything becoming, nope, there's no one to go and talk to and have a conversation with at an office. Everything is now without individuals. It's all robotic. And uh, so now they have this tech to try to catch. So I guess we're going to be making our own fancy license plates. I don't know. Mine might do one like green, some purple, maybe some flowers. And just say like moi on it. Moi. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> or don't I, tread. I, no, I'm not going to do the don't tread on me thing. But No, we will. Um, that the whole thing will collapse and it'll get overpowered. It has to. And there's way too many of us that are. You know, when she when she starts to reestablish your connection to your intelligence, it's so easy to find ways through things. Yes, and to you know put it back on them. Previous jurisdiction, I'll play the game with you, but until then, I'm not playing. No, not playing. Like they asked me to file my taxes, and I said, "Oh, thanks. That's an offer." They they asked me, right? They asked my me to file on behalf of my straw man. So that's great, but guess what? That's a corporation and my corporate entity has a fee schedule and I don't work for free. I don't know if you work for free. I don't work for free for the government. So here's your bill. I said, I totally conditionally accept once you pay my bill and it's $3,500 and I will totally do my taxes. But they didn't, I didn't hear back from them. I sent a registered mail. I know they got it. So I'm just waiting, but they didn't say anything. No. Good on you. We'll just we'll just see, right? But this is the thing. This is what they this is what they they're they're going to be threatened by is if more and more people understand that basic law and say, oh, thanks, that's a great you're offering you're offering me. I see your offer. I counter your offer, and if they don't want to continue to do business with you, then off you go. Yeah, fine. Thanks very much. See you later. Right. Yeah. Maybe next time. Because <laughs> <laughs> the tax that we have to stop feeding them, we really do. Well, absolutely, yeah. There was one guy I saw in a TikTok account, and he's like, how long are we doing this for? Like, really, how long are we doing this for? Because this is, 
He's like, I'm making my dream wage, what his dream wage was, and he's still living paycheck to paycheck. So that's that's not working out for him. And he's frustrated. And he was just, you know, going on and on about this ridiculous nine to five lifestyle that nobody's happy. And how how much more tax can we pay exactly? <laughs> when when you pay it, you are saying, I accept everything you're doing with that. Yeah. And how how could anybody, if they knew, if they really knew what was going on, how could anybody consent to that? We're just, and he said in it, he's like, should I just stop paying my bills? Basically, like, why am I even paying the bills then? I mean, if I pay the bill, I'm paying for the same problem that's keeping me trapped here. That I'm paying some guy, some company to continue to make policies to that go against me. Why would I continue to do that? And and he's right. Now, I would say they'd shut off your services and stuff, so you have a problem. But if you do a workaround, there's all kinds of ways to live off-grid or find another way to not pay those bills if you want to. But it takes work. It takes change. Well, yeah. Yeah, I heard about one guy. What did he do now? He he said he couldn't pay his bill, so they said they wanted to come and put a credit meter in where you have to get credit from the local store. So he put that on but didn't get any credit on it and took it off and put his own meter on there because when he read into the laws, and I'm paraphrasing, I have to look back at my notes on it, but he was basically saying, if I remember rightly, that as long as you are recording how much you're using, you're not breaking any regulations. Mm-hmm. So he's recording it, but he's not got into contract with a smart meter or anything and they've left him alone for years. Wow, interesting. Yeah, those smart meters are nasty, very dangerous. I was sitting next to one I, I've made the mistake of putting my desk really close to where my electrical panel was, not quite cluing in that I had that on the other side of it. I had put a Faraday cage over it and I had crystals all over the place and organized stuff, but it wasn't enough. And uh, I actually started to develop a, a, gro- a tumor it was probably on my brain because I, I could tell because it was swollen out and it was pushing on my eye. And I had to do, I went into juicing and coffee enemas and some supplementation to heal it, which I did, and move my desk. But that is, <laughs> I was going to say, you did move your desk, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I realized that was not. But I learned a lot I, from that experience and how how damaging that is to be in that close field. So That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting times. They're, I wonder if they're really going to push this Project Bluebeam or not. That's they might be just testing the waters on the fake alien invasion story. Um, well, they've got to come up with another story because all the stories keep failing. So that's right. Hi, buddy. He's ace. He's such a love. He just wants to be cuddled all day. Not wrong with that. <laughs> I, I'm nothing that wrong with that. <laughs> I'm totally. If I didn't have anything else to do, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should learn more from the animals. They know how to, they've got a deep sense of how to relax. Yeah. Well, except for the turkeys, they don't seem very relaxed. The wild turkeys, they seem kind of, seem kind of skittish. <laughs> 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 they're, they're very bold though. They come onto my porch and uh, just hang out. They look in my windows, they look in my doors, checking things out. I'll come home and they're like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're here, we're not doing anything. <laughs> fun living in nature but i see the damage i don't see hardly as many birds i hardly i see like two squirrels 
one chipmunk. You know, this is a forest. This should be teeming with life. And it's not what I, I was very shocked. Actually, I think a lot of a lot of the animals have gone toward the cities more because it's easier to get food. Like you see skunks and raccoons and stuff even more in the cities and even up here sometimes because they're they're going to where the, the easy food is, right? Or if you're near like a landfill, that's where you'll see a lot of the, the animals go to. So I want to steward my land. I want to refresh my land and help it become really strong. And you will with your intent. I, what's that? You your 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 intent will do that. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I I go out all the time. Winter don't care whatever, but I'll just go and sit on a fallen tree and just be with it. Just be with the trees and and just quiet myself and watch. And that's it. Just simple. Just sit and watch and look and enjoy. And and then you decompress. Your mind of all the chatter can clear. And then you can really start to hear your own voice and hear all those subtle things inside of you. It's forest bathing is very important for clarity. It's huge. And I think one of the things as well is I, I still struggle to find how people find the technology world so interesting when you go out into nature and it's way more fascinating what's going on there. Way more. Oh, yeah. So much to learn. I'm really trying to learn trees. I haven't really learned trees before. Like other than I know what pine needles do. I know what the the sap, collect the sap, all of these different resins and things, but not really know the tree medicine really deeply. So I'm, I've been. I, I, say, I suspect it's going to be incredibly powerful because that's where the DMSO starts life, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. But I've not really sat with them and really just, you know, a listened because this is how our healers would know what any of this medicine would he how do you, i always wondered i'd read those books and be like how did they know how did they know what these things did go and hang out you go hang talk out to you. that's right the trees talk tell to you. You. The plants talk to you yeah they'll tell you they'll show you and uh that's how we knew <laughs> that's how we first we didn't need we didn't need randomized controlled studies to know things actually <laughs> quite <laughs> yeah I think maybe we had to, we knew and we were expanded and then maybe we contracted. Maybe we wanted the contracting experience because maybe when we get to expansion again, it's even more glorious because now we can pull all those little pieces back together again and have full conscious awareness, right? Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't experience much without contrast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just part of this place that we go through ebbs and flows so that we can experience anew and have probably have things feel precious and sacred again. We might lose well, that. Yeah. Like never before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, I've always appreciated nature and stuff, but the last three or four years, it's been mind boggling how much stronger that's got and how much more interesting that's become to me. Mm hmm. Same. And I think there's many, many people like that. And not, I used to go out into nature and go, what am I doing here? And like, what is this? Like, why are we going for a hike? This is stupid. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> yeah, now I understand. <laughs> That's maturity. We have five more minutes. Perhaps now would be a good time to draw to a close on this so that you can enjoy the rest of your day. Certainly. Yeah, yeah and, no, and this is great. Thank you. No, thank you very much. What what I'll do is um, 
I'll, well, I'll do the usual thing. I'll get it edited up and then I'll break it down into some nice little sound bites as well because there's some nice little kind of pieces within this we can share with people as well. I like that. I like how you do that. It, it seems to work for people. They say, oh, I can't share that. It's too long, but they'll share a 15-minute thing or a 20-minute thing. Yeah. Yeah. It works for where people are at, how much they can digest in a certain amount of time. So, yeah, this is wonderful. I always love my chats with you and um, and our sharing. And, and thank you again for your, your wonderful dictation of some of my work. And you have a very soothing voice where you want to listen, where it's intriguing. So that's that's always good. I've been blessed with that, so I need to put it to good use. It would be a waste. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. Wonderful. Thanks again, Adrian. Well, th thank you so much and take great – well, I don't like saying take great care because you already know how to do that. Enjoy it. I will enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye, Amanda. Bye-bye, Adrian.